Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Innkeeper's Guestbook. I am the illustrious Innkeeper Freddy, coming to you live from Union Inn here in lovely, lovely and cold Washington, D.C. You ready for the rundown? 1112, 1114, 3rd Street, Northeast Washington, D.C. Union Inn. We are steps from Noma Gallaudet Metro Station. Nice little brisk walk to Union Station and a leisurely jog to Capitol Hill and the Capitol, which I ran to last night and froze my freaking fingers off. But I had to do it because I had to think. This about po- these questions. About these questions. This podcast watch is going to go fast. So number one questions that I get asked. Fred, why are the books on your library turned inside? Oh, okay. What's the answer? We have the library downstairs. I think I covered this on the podcast with Tamara. Oh, wait. First off, I'm sorry. Homemade oh, yes. S- this? this is local sake from... Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, I love Asheville. Oh, there we go. I hope we caught one that. One of the few sake breweries in the nation. I, I love it when guests come bringing gifts. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, makes my day. Um, so, yeah, uh, the fireplace above the mantle, all the books are turned, or I'm sorry, the spines of the books that tell you the title of the book are turned inside. Why do you do that, Fred? How, how am I supposed to know what, you, what, I'm, what I'm reading, what I'm looking at? And I say, well, you can always go up to the library yourself and pull the book out and see. Oh, I got to do that. No, I can't. Exactly. It fosters interaction with the library. But my um, reasoning for doing so was a lot more um, surface or aesthetic, if you will. I wanted to control for the color of the appearance of the library. Because when you turn all the spines inside, you see the actual pages of the book. And for the most part, pages on books relatively are that, you know, creamish to tan color. Mm -hmm. And um, when... And you were intrigued by that color palette? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like a accent wall. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And then also, when you turn the books on the inside, you can also control for the height of the books. So you can make whatever shape that you want to make. So if you want to make waves, you can do that. And it's a uniform color. Or if you want to make a smiley face like I do. So when my guests come in, subconsciously, they're like, this is a happy place. Oh, all right. Well, I knew it was a happy place when I walked in because you made me an omelet and bacon. Yes, so. I did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> Call me on a good day. Yes. Um, but yes. So thank you so much for joining us. Of course. It's fun to be here. So we have a future clinical rehabilitation counselor. Is that correct? That is the hope. Yes. <laughs> okay. So for the listeners at home that don't know what a clinical rehabilitation counselor is, What's the elevator pitch on what it is? Real quickly, it is not someone who helps people that are suffering from addiction, although that is a very um, honorable path. Uh, Technically, a clinical rehabilitation counselor is someone that helps person with disabilities, whether they be cognitive, intellectual, physical, um, to get back into the workforce or to find some independence, um, whether they be... Uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis also known as MS or they get into a bad accident and have a serious injury so that is my hope to to help them and collaborate with them and facilitate their needs okay and wants so am I correct that the majority of people if not all the people that um, your talents and services would serve um, whatever is affecting them didn't always affect them their entire life it's something that was introduced into their life at some point and it's kind of like they're trying to um cope with that or get back to manage it manage it okay right but you know some of them you know like children who've been diagnosed with autism they were probably you know they probably had a genetic predisposition to it um so you know, it, it's it's like with anything, it's on a spectrum. It's on a continuum. So it, it's it's uh, it, it's different in, in different ways, if that makes sense. I have a um, theory about autism. I feel that there is a not 0% chance that autism is, relates to the, I mean, 
early, 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 early beginning stages of like human evolution. That's possible. I I honestly can't comment on it because I don't know uh, much about it. But I I do know as being a a puppeteer and an educator uh, for five years um, that uh, the audience that I performed for there were students who were on the spectrum, um, and you know it affects each one of them differently. So it's really about you know when I did puppetry and and performance is about honing your craft but also responding to the audience and how to um how to alter or work within those um, parameters so yeah it's hard to say you know the the evolution of it or where it comes from but I do know just on a very visceral level that it affects um how you approach performance and yeah. how you approach approach workshops so when you were interacting with um some of the children that were aut- autistic um did you feel that there were certain concepts specifically those probably that were related to numbers or, or mathematically that they grasped at a level that like advanced level mm. that is like no matter how hard i studied math there's no way i'd be able to figure that out as fast as this person this person like is in tune with numbers somehow in some way I again I I'm kind of a bore I I I don't really know because I would come in um uh, I was not like a full-time teacher I was a teaching artist Mm -hmm. so my interaction was not um as intimate um so to so to speak with the students I came in for a very short period of time um so I, I can't speak to whether they were great at math or science or, you know, anything like that. So, okay. Well, let's talk about puppeteering then. Um, so one of the questions I told you that I was going to ask, what is the difference between a puppeteer and a marionette? Okay. Well, a marionette is a type of puppet. Okay. Um, so there are many different kinds of puppets. So being a puppeteer is that you hopefully are um, not necessarily a master puppeteer, but that you have, you, you know, the ability to operate various styles of puppetry, whether it be marionettes, whether with the strings that most people are probably familiar with, um, hand puppets, which is another one. Um, sock puppets. Sock puppets or a body puppet like a big bird, the yellow bird on Sesame Street. Um, so wouldn't that just be a costume? No, because there's um, how they operate the beak. Um, that's puppetry. That's a movement um, of an object. So, no, that's not. A costume is just something that an actor dons. But a puppeteer is someone who operates and manipulates different parts. Um, and so a body puppet would be... A different interaction with the puppet but still manipulating like the beak or something like that okay so if at a halloween party someone walks in sorry two people walk in and together they are a horse one person at the front the other person represents the back but they are working in tandem is that puppetry or is that an outfit uh, or a costume well if they're working in tandem and they're actually doing the motions of a horse I would argue that that's a body puppet okay learn something new every day yeah I love it <laughs> um back to sock puppets before we move on <laughs> oh, gosh there was a show that used to come on I think it was MTV uh-huh. really really late 11 30 12 o'clock I was night. asleep by then okay I'm 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 young but I'm old <laughs> have you heard of Syphil and Ollie no but it sounds like syphilis so no I didn't <laughs> These inappropriate sock puppets. The, uh, I sure well, hope so because I was, love inappropriate puppets. Yeah, it, they, it was, it was, it was an Adult Swim type show before oh. Adult Swim existed. Actually, Adult Swim might have been out because I think Aqua Teen Hunger Force might have been out then, but it wasn't on there. Syphil uh, S I F L and Ollie, and it was two guys in sock puppets, and they would have characters that would come in, specifically okay. Chester. Oh gosh, you, you have to understand. <laughs> it was. It was during a time in my life when um, 
I smoked a lot of weed. Mm. All right. And uh, myself and a good friend of mine, uh, we would go to the hill, which was... The hill in your mind or the actual hill? Oh, no, no, no. There is a place called the hill mm-hmm. where um, we would um, smoke blunts and then be very high and then either go to a movie or watch television or sometimes just tweak out or lunch out. How about that? Luncheon. Have you heard the term luncheon? Mm-mm. Yeah, it's very DC slang or DC Metro slang. DC Luncheon, Metro. Okay. Yeah, it's like basically acting crazy. Oh, okay. Or well, wilding that, out. So acting crazy and watching sock puppets. Yeah, yeah. And so it was the perfect show for the <laughs> perfect mood. Um, have a lot of good memories with that. Cool. Shout Deacon Frost. <laughs> I know you're listening to this, so shout to you. All right. On to the next topic. So did you know? This lovely lady here can swing an axe. <laughs> yes. And chop a piece of wood in half like it's nothing. Like, where's the next one? A piece of wood. Yes. I'm sure it's out there and I'll I'll take care of it. <laughs> how long how long when was the first time you, you, you swung an axe and chopped a piece of wood in half? Two weeks ago. Wow. Wait, that was the first time ever? Or that was the last time. The first successful time. Really? Yeah. How long you been trying? Years. A decade at least. So did you like take the rest of the day off? Like you were like, I'm done. Like I'm so happy. I'm like, I got it. The first one was the last one. (laughs) (laughs) So. No, for a couple of years. I live in the woods. So if there's a fell tree, then we'll use it in the wood burning stove. Yes, you heard correct, ladies and gentlemen. She has a wood-burning stove in the house. I do. Hey, you're going to ask me those cool questions that I prepared answers for? Yes, that's at the <laughs> end of the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You just want to get this over with. I do. I want to go watch Narcos Mexico. <laughs> Freddie, I love you, but uh, priorities. Oh man. oh, man. It'll be there. They're not going anywhere. What episode have you made it to thus far? I think the f- Four, he the dies. fifth one. He dies. I know they all. Die. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Uh, they all die. <laughs> um, I, I th- this one this evening, if if it happens tonight, will be the fifth one, the fifth episode. So. What do you think so far, compared to the other episodes on Narcos? On Narcos. The other seasons, you mean? Correct. Or? Yes, the other seasons. Um, I really liked the last season. Really? Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I love, I love Diego Luna. And um, Michael Pena, though. So they have a good, solid cast. And Diego, that's uh, Pena in Narcos. Mm. Diego Luna is Pena. Diego Luna is Michel Angel. Or, what, what, okay, so what character was Diego Luna? Or is Diego Luna? The, the, the kingpin. Oh, he's uh, Felix. M- yeah, Michel Angel Felix. Or... Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. What other shows is he on? Diego Luna. Oh, the last thing I saw him in was like a Dirty Dancing uh, remount. Okay. Um, and I've seen him in some other films that I can't recall the names of at this moment in time. But oh, and Michael Pena is the the DEA. The DEA agent. Okay. So I was talking about Pena from seasons one, two, and three, because that guy he was the dude who was the the Sand Serpent. In Game of Thrones. Right. No, he's not on it anymore. No, but he was good. He was very good. Yeah, yeah he was very strong. Yeah. But his name was Pena on the show, right? I I don't remember, actually. Okay. I have a very... My short-term memory is pretty bad. It's the sake. That's what it is. It is, it is the sake. We'll blame it on Ben's Tune-Up Sake <laughs> from Asheville, North Carolina. A okay. little bit of a plug there. Yeah. Ben's American Sake. Mm-hmm. It is... This the only sake, mind you, it comes in a can, by the way, and it has the uh, coloring of like a Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. How many brands of Amer- American sake do they make? Five or six. They have like some other strange fla- flavors, or I shouldn't say strange flavors that I don't particularly like, like blueberry lime sake. Yes. Wow. 
But I they do have a lemon ginger one that's quite tasty. Okay. But yeah. Anyway. No, it's no, it's good. It's just not the sake taste that I have been a crust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Fifteen and a half. ABV. And this was canned on the 16th of November. So we are drinking this. Is it 2018 or 2017? Oh, wait. Is this 11, 16, like 2016? And then it had to age? Or is this like the 16th of November? That's a great question. I did not ask the lady when I bought it. Yeah. It's written in a Sharpie on here, by the way. So that's how you know it's good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So back to chopping wood, though. So you have a uh, wood burning stove in your house. Yes. And you were telling me the dimensions of the stove are like maybe a foot across and then 18 to 24 inches deep. Correct. And it's basically radiant heat. Correct. And it's cast iron. Yes. It has a big metal pipe that's black that comes from the top. Correct. And goes out everywhere side no <laughs> just smoke in the house no yeah. it goes uh yeah it's very tall it's like 20 30 feet and so when you're Maybe feeding more than that but when you're feeding that fire you can't touch the cast iron thing or else you'll burn yourself right that is the idea yeah you <laughs> want to wear an oven mitt because it's hot it's like a space not heater like the, without the grate in front of it right i mean in the beginning it's it's not hot yeah. but after yeah, half an hour time. Yeah, you don't want to put your hand on it. Okay. But yeah, no, it's very efficient, and it's made in Sweden, the wood-burning stove. So, so you they said know it what salvage. Gold- it was salvaged, though, right? No, we we bought it f- directly from the Swedish makers. Do you know the name of the Swedish makers? More so. How do you spell that? M O R S O. All right. But I at one the of the O, yeah, one of the O's has that slash through uh, it. Okay. But yeah, we're about to see what this looks like. Maybe this will be the. Uh, it has a squirrel on the side. That's not it. Okay. There's many yeah, different that one kinds. Looks very, very modern. Um, yeah. This is going to be the avatar of your episode, by the way, since you're anonymous. Oh, okay. The more um, so. Stove. N- the actual stove. Yeah, we're going to find. Oh, there the it one. is, right this there, one? the far left. This one. That one. Okay. Cool. To be, I think it's called. Right there? That's the one. Scroll down. It's the third one from the. That yeah. one? Or to be one? classic. Wow. It's beautiful. You had to hunt this. Like, how'd that. you even know to go to this? That's what your house looks like right there? Yes. <laughs> they did a photo spread I know. of our house. <laughs> With the duvet. No. You gotta love it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all day. This is it. I'm saving this image. All right, cool. So, outside of efficiency, was there any other reason you wanted to get a wood burning stove? Um, yeah, it's very fitting for our little cabin in the woods, and has a squirrel on the side. Squirrels are funny <laughs> and cute. So, yeah, they and it's like- and I just liked I just liked the the aesthetic of it. So, I thought, what the hell? Well, in Washington D.C., squirrels. What they'll do is if you have too much trash in your trash can outside, they'll actually chew through the plastic just to get through to your trash. I love the squirrels on the National Mall because one of them came up to me and started nibbling on my boot. Yeah. I was like, squirrel. They came over and it was like, are you going to give me food? And I said, no, but you can nibble on my boot. And that's what it did. Savage. It was like he, he or she knew that they could be cute and be savage at the same time well but see i think they're just like trained to like they know that they get their food from humans it's not a good reaction to humans they should be like running away but they come right up to you or they dig underneath the foundation of your house just to score store acorns wow this is some powerful stuff (laughs) isn't it it is 15 and a half percent i'm telling you (laughs) <laughs> no, but seriously, they're around all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're wrong. They haven't given me rabies or anything or bitten me, but uh, they do chew through my trash cans, and it pisses me off because then when it rains, every time it rains, I have to turn the trash can upside down just to empty out the water that gets in there. They were here first. <laughs> <laughs> were I, they though? I think so. 
I don't know. I don't think squirrels were developed in a test tube. Last thing before we get to seven questions. Okay. So you can watch Narcos. Yes. We uh, ate dinner at Indigo, which is the glorious Indian restaurant mm-hmm. that's just a block away from the house. Excellent goat curry. Yes. Sorry for those who are vegans, but. Well, they have lots of vegan options. There, they though. do have a lot of vegan options. I had a lot of veggies with my lamb and goat curry. Yes, indeed. So before we stepped out the house, she commented on a poster I have on the wall. She's like, oh, Appalachian Trail. Me and my husband, we hiked that. I was like, what? <laughs> like, you don't understand how many people like, wait, what is that? Oh, what? That's a map. Yeah, it's the Appalachian Trail. Oh, wow. And has elevation on the side. That's so cool. You know, I might want to hike that one day. What she said to me was, yeah, we hiked that already. Like, when did you leave? She said, uh, February. How long did it take? It took about you said six months yeah yeah it's like oh my gosh you literally did one of the uh, probably one of my top 10 bucket list things yeah it was chasing spring it was number one for us so we're like we're either gonna do it now or we're gonna do it when we're 60 and we don't want to do it when we're 60 so you went and did it we went and did it we took six months off we both quit our jobs and and did it and we hiked the trail from georgia to maine and you didn't do it alone you had a little friend with you yes our furry our fur baby what's his name her her name i'm sorry name is carly but her trail name is baby bear okay and, she looks like a bear and uh what breed is she flat-coated retriever so mm-hmm. kind of like a golden retriever but a little smaller and all black okay now is this a dog that is predisposed to hiking hunting or anything like that i don't know if any dog is predisposed to hiking 1900 miles we did 2200 but she did 1900 over six months over six months she's just you know so so, it was in her spirit 2200 miles is the length of the trail correct give or take a few miles depending on reroutes over six months six months 14 states okay so that's call it half a year so we said 180 days. Yes. Okay. So basically you walked on average more height. I'm sorry. Because there's terrain involved more than 10 miles a day. Well over 10 miles a day. I think our average was 12 or 13 miles a day. Yeah. So some days we hiked less and other days. Like I think the most we did in one day that we hiked was 22 miles in one day. And I cried we didn't do that again yeah you you basically almost hiked a marathon yeah so i always laugh at when people with their stickers have their like marathon number and i kind of want to like put 2200 miles in my car seriously (laughs) but i didn't run it so i just hiked it yeah but you do you have a walking stick as your trophy i don't have a walking stick i had trekking poles okay from walmart and i went through a few of those so they didn't they didn't survive unfortunately but that's how you know that you did it because they didn't survive. <laughs> and I survived. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you said baby big bear or big baby bear? Neither. Baby bear. Baby bear. I'm sorry. That's okay. So baby bear was along with you for the majority of the 2200 miles. You said there were two places that dogs were prohibited. Correct. The Smokies and Baxter State Park. But we, my husband and I did it together and- we wanted to make sure that we could hack it first before we took on another responsibility. So we walked 300 miles and then we picked her up or a family member dropped her off. And then we hiked all the way to Maine. Um, and then the Baxter State Park, unless it's a service animal, they will not allow a dog to traipse up Mount Katahdin. We were really upset about that, but when we actually did it, we we're like, oh, thank goodness she's not with us because there's rebar coming out of a rock. That's not natural. No, they, they, I guess that's kind of to help us up, you know, something to grab onto. Okay. Because I'm not a rock climber. Okay. I'm a hiker. Okay. Yes. So uh, for those geographically challenged like myself, you said, uh, was it Baxter State Park is in Maine? Baxter State Park is in Maine and that's- Katahdin which is the northern terminus of Appalachian, of the Appalachian Trail, mm. um, for for me personally, was the most difficult um, mountain to summit. 
Okay. So, but it was and, pretty and remarkable. It's, it's right getting, at the end, too. It so, is. It, it's the end. Yeah, if you're going from Georgia to Maine. So yeah, when you were is the last. done at the end of it, mm-hmm. are you at the summit? Yeah. So then you have to go back down. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're not quite done no, you're yet. Not done yet. Yeah, but it's it's pretty it was pretty emotional, you know, because you there's a sign up there on the top of the mountain and it says twenty two hundred or two thousand one hundred and eighty nine or whatever, and just to touch it, you know, it's like wow, like like you did it. We walked all that way together, and we still like each other. That's when you know it. <laughs> and love each other. <laughs> and you all were married at the time. Yes, we've been married for five years. Yeah. All right. Did you celebrate your um, anniversary during that six-month period? Or No. No, we had finished before our anniversary, but it was uh, it was pretty special. Okay. It's, hard to, it's hard to encapsulate, like, what we experienced over the six-month period, but if you ever have the opportunity to just, whether it's six months, a weekend, to just get out there and hike. It's an amazing way to see the see the country and now were you a hiker before this even doing this like you, you you hiked a lot to different places it was like hey let's do the big the big boy or was it just a matter of you know what'd be cool like, well actually we it was my it. husband like he wanted when we were dating he's like well you know i'm gonna be leaving for six months <laughs> and going on this trail i'm like what the hell oh he already had it planned he already had it planned um and he was gonna go by himself he's gonna go by himself and then I was like, oh, okay. But we hiked together quite a bit and did a lot of backcountry camping. And I was like, I like this. Let's do it together. So we didn't know if we could hack it, but. You hacked it. We did. All right. It's so my, that and my marriage is what I'm most proud of. That's what's up. Yeah. And that's how it should be. That's good. Yeah. You, you found your life partner. I did. I'm lucky. Straight up. Yeah. Really, really fortunate. So. All right, so logistically, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions on this trail because I'm curious. I, like I've wanted to do this, uh-huh. and I haven't really spoken to somebody that actually really did it. So okay, so you said um, Baxter State Park and the other park in Maine, you couldn't have dogs, and then you said Smokies, you couldn't have the dog. Baxter State Park is in Maine, okay, and the Smokies, the Great Smoky National Park, mm-hmm. is in. Well, it's really on the like Tennessee and North Carolina, but North Carolina takes credit for the Smokies. Okay. So. Okay. So if one like you wanted to hike the whole Appalachian Trail with a dog, logistically, what did you do with the dog during those periods? Well, we didn't get our dog until we we got through the Smokies. So, so from the beginning okay. in Springer Mountain in Georgia. That was the first 300. The Yes. Okay. The first 300. Yeah. 300 miles of it is not all in the Smokies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a third of it is. Okay. But yeah, we wanted to make sure it's like, well, let's see if we even can get through Georgia and, you know, Tennessee and get to Hot Springs. And if we got to Hot Springs, North Carolina, which is outside of the Smokies, then we're like, okay, we'll take, we'll take on our dog. And it worked out. But she did have, she, she did really well. But we only had one snafu and she had um, an encounter with a porcupine. So she had a mouthful of quills and we had to do some field surgery and then hike down three miles to hitchhike to a town to get her to a veterinarian this is very involved but yeah so (laughs) that great great segue into the next question okay um so you didn't camp the entire time there were some days that you actually stayed at a hotel hotel or there's a lot of hostels along the trail or b&b's because we were a couple so we liked having our own room or if possible wasn't like a requirement we just you know if we could have clean sheets that'd be great okay and so when you would do this though these hostels were still close to the trail but not walking distance from the trail some were okay um but the further like in the in the southern region like georgia tennessee north carolina virginia it's a little easier, but like when you get into the more remote areas like Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, you know, you're like 10 miles. Like, like it, because the trail sometimes goes over roads. So when you get to a road, you're 10 miles from a place that, you know, it may have a grocery store 
or a Dollar General or something like that. So yeah, it kind of, it just varied, you know, depending on the region that you were in. So, so those times where you were like, you've already walked, hiked more than 10 miles in one day and you're like, okay, it's, it's done. And we're not pitching a tent. We're going to stay at this hotel uh-huh. or this hostel, right. this bed and breakfast or this lodging in or whatever. Right. You're not about to walk another 10 miles to this place, especially at night. That is not preferable, no. <laughs> so, and you didn't bring your car with you. Well, no, we're hiking it. Okay. And fun fact, you only had a flip phone. You didn't have a phone with apps on it. That is correct. Okay. Even if it even if it would have mattered in some of these remote places, but you didn't have a, a lot of the hikers did have smartphones. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were one of the very few that Okay. didn't. So, in these cases, how did you get to the in lodge hostel insert accommodations um, here most of the time we hitchhiked so and then uh, occasionally we'd get to a road and there was like someone you know an entrepreneur was like hey if you're a hiker call this number i'll pick you up so that was very rare but there were a few places that had those with a dog signs yeah and see having a dog that added its own challenges um but also great i mean we brought so much joy or she baby bear brought so much joy to a lot of the hikers because they were away from home and away from their dog and so they liked being able to pet her and that's interesting so you think that um definitely to a large degree than average uh people that hike are more prone to have a pet specifically a dog than the average public or the average american public no i would say we were one of the few now we started earlier Mm -hmm. than most we started in february most people start in march or april if they're if they're heading north to maine um we didn't really encounter a lot of people with dogs until we got further north because they're it's called like nobo and sobo so nobo are northbounders sobo are southbounders so southbounders usually leave i think May or June is when Baxter State Park opens. So they start at Katahdin and then work their way down. So they're chasing fall. Right. So we we met more Soboers that had dogs than Northbounders. And a lot of people hike by themselves. There weren't a lot of couples out there. Whether they were male-female, male-male, female-female. There just weren't a lot of intimate couples. It was mostly... People started alone, and then they might find, you know, a person to walk with or a group, which is cool. But we were like our own little group, I guess. Your uh, own little wolf pack. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so you hitchhike or call the entrepreneur. takes you to the, the hostel, okay? Uh-huh. Then you're ready to go back out on the trail. Correct. Do most of these hostels or wherever you stay have some sort of... Um, Shuttle service? Yeah. Some of them do. Um, yeah, they do. And even some of the hostels like that you were staying in, like if you were able to get cell service, you could call them and they would come pick you up and then bring you to the hostel. But again, the further out you got, they, would, they were less likely to come and get you because it was just further. Okay. What was the charge like on your mobile phone? Because if you went seven days in between accommodations, you're saying your phone would last that long? Well, it was off. Ah. Yeah, no, we weren't on our phones. You all were going straight couture with it. (laughs) Yeah, no, we would charge it. Yeah, we we charged it up um, when we could, and then but we kept it off until we absolutely needed it. So okay, it was a great way to unplug and. No pun intended. Right. Um, okay. <clears throat> Next question. Campfires. Are there? Is there anywhere along the trail that campfires are allowed? Um. Yes. Um. You know, you have to be. It depends on because we actually had a pretty wet season, so there weren't like restrictions. You just had to be, you know, careful. But honestly, you're so tired after. You know, the end of the day, that most of the time we didn't really have campfires. We just like turn on our little gas stove and cook up our food and get in the tent and go so to bed. You were carrying a gas stove with you. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. So your backpacks, were they about the same weight? Um, I think my husband's, when he started out, I think it was like 45, 50, and mine was like 35, 40. But then when, like we got better. But see, we started in the winter time, so we had winter gear, which is heavier. But then when we got into like the you know spring and summer, it was for those wondering what less pounds, uh, uh, say between forty and fifty pounds is like. Um, go to your nearest gym and say, "Yo, where the free weights at? I want to do some bench presses." <laughs> then go over to where the bench presses are and everything, and say, "How much pounds you want to? How much you want to put on this?" He's like, "No, no, no, you don't need to put anything on here. The bar will do. That bar is forty-five pounds." Mm, okay. So Good you to know. you were carrying around a bench press bar for 2200 miles yeah but it's not resting on your shoulders like it's it's, a, it's on your hips so okay it's it's, it's somewhere on it's you it's 2200 miles that now but see we were some people pack really light what are they called like ultra light hikers i have no idea they're um they might carry at most 10 pounds, but they're literally running the trail. So they're like, they're running from town to town so that they don't have to carry as much. We walk slower, so we have to carry food that will last us longer to our destination, you know, or to the next town. So. What'd you do about dog food? She carried it. She had her own little doggy backpack. (laughs) (laughs) So she carried it for like the first couple of days and then. Oh, baby bear, you got to put in work too. Yeah, yeah. And then, but like, we, once, we all hiking this trail. Right. Once it got down to a manageable, not not that it wasn't manageable for her, but just a few bags left, then we would carry that for her to, just to give her a break. And when those would run low, is that when you would do like go into the town and, and get dog food? Or would it, was it like you all were buying food that everyone could eat? No, we, she mostly got dog food. Okay. Um, you know, it was amazing. Like Rachel Ray Nutrish. It's like everywhere. At the Dollar General. Rachel Ray. Yeah. She's everywhere. Rachel so. Ray. There were there were a few times that we had to get like you know, just the food that's not as good. Dog food. But that's okay. She she you know, she hiked enough to work it off, so What about you and your husband? What did you all eat? Mm. In the beginning we ate a lot of soup. And then for lunch, we'd have like summer sausages and cheese, hard cheese. And, um, you know, tuna packets, tortillas, anything that really packs a lot of calories because you're always burning you're, them off. Yeah, you're always at a calorie deficiency. So as much as you can get in there. How many times did you eat a day? I would have I liked to eat more, but we had snacks and, you know. I'm saying like sit down, like let's stop and eat. Yeah, like type. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Really? Three times a day? Yeah. Okay. Oh, we did. I don't know what other people do, but that was important to us. Just to rest and, you know, talk about what we saw or how we felt or, or not. Just be with each other and just, I mean, that's some of the best um, meals that I've had. I'm you telling know, you. You know, sunrise and sunset and mountains and it's pretty special out there. You go to a really, really, really good restaurant and eat. It's great. But you can theoretically recreate that by coming back another day. Eating out there in Appalachian Trail, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It is. I'm really, really fortunate to be mobile and healthy and have a passion for it because it's it really and and even if it's just for a couple of hours that you can get out there it's just really good for kind of like what you were saying running you know even though it was really cold it just helps clear your mind and and think or not think or it's just it's good for the soul so right lightning round okay any any bear sightings yeah only one because we had our dog with us so i think most of them were scared the Um, bears were scared yeah people are very fearful of bears and I, i mean you know, I think you should have a respectful distance and um, not cajole them or <laughs> or bother them. But, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what people project, what kind of fears they project. Anyway, so we saw... I'm uh, projecting all types of fear to a bear because right. I'm good. I don't need to be around. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm sorry. But, but the bear, we it was crossing the trail and 
baby bear, our dog, barked at it and it scaled a tree and it was very fearful, but it was really beautiful at the same time because it was at the top, you know, near the top of the tree and it was looking down at me and I was looking down at, you know, I was looking up at it and I was just like, the, the bear was probably like, okay, when are you going to leave? I'm ready to come back down. But it was really, really special. But that was the only bear that we saw. No cubs or anything. Nope. Just a, Good. just a, yeah, I don't want, wouldn't want to mess with that. No. Yeah. Mama bears are, All right. as they should be protective but next question what was the longest that you and your husband went peacefully where you didn't say a word to each other like y'all were just in your own thoughts and it was just like you're just happy to be in each other's presence but you're not even thinking about necessarily oh we've been quiet for this long like you guys just on your Mm -hmm. own stuff i don't think it was really all that long it was probably like five or six hours and we'd be hiking and we just might not really say much to each other that's when you know it's love right there <laughs> real talk you didn't feel the need to uh i mean we were you know and say with each other 24 7 so i think we, we both needed it you know whether i was walking ahead or he was walking ahead it was nice to be able to you know see him but just to be like on my own hike too, some distance so okay um more nights than not would you say you were able to see tons of stars in the sky or was the trail still relatively close to civilization to where the street lights of wherever nearby Mm. ruined (laughs) um the further north well it like when you get to like new york new jersey um well there's only four miles in west virginia um parts of pennsylvania parts of pennsylvania um yeah it's a little more cityfied um, but yeah, down south and it's pretty, yeah, you can definitely see the stars depending on like when the moon's out or not or cloud coverage, but All right. no, there wasn't too much light pollution. That's good. Last question before the seven questions. Oh boy. Okay. What was the coolest? They have like little la- lodges along the trail. Where, I wouldn't call them lodges. What, what, like chalets, not, uh, not shelters. Shelters. There you go. What was the coolest They're more shelter? like three wall shacks with a little roof on top. But the coolest shelter was in Virginia. Okay. Uh, in Virginia. Oh, gosh. I wish I had my journal with me. Um, but it was really beautiful because it was actually in memory of um, a woman's brother that wanted to hike the trail, but he didn't get the chance to because he died of cancer, I think, mm. in his 40s. And so... This was a tribute to his unrealized dream. And there's like a little plaque of poetry and a letter that she wrote to him. Um, and I really wish I could remember the name of the shelter, but it's really, really beautiful. It's like two stories and um, I think it even has like windows and it's a... Uh, there are a lot of shelters in Virginia along the Appalachian Trail. But, you know, that that's the that's the great thing about the trail. It's not just about my journey or my husband's journey. Just how many people actually, the labor um, that's required to maintain these trails and these shelters, and it's all volunteer-based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. kudos to them, too, because they were part of, part of the experience and the journey. Yeah, I got to do this at some point in my life. I've run a marathon, and I never thought I'd be able to run a marathon. This right here, telling me I got to eat hard cheese and nuts <laughs> for 2,200 miles over the course of six months. I don't care how beautiful it is. I'm going to cuss somebody out at some point. <laughs> <laughs> you really appreciate when you go into town and get a cheeseburger, that's Tell for you, sure. right? Or a salad. Whew, my body was starved for greens. Or how about this? A queen-size mattress. You know what I was like, I'm just obsessed now with crisp, clean sheets. Because like when you're in and out of a sleeping bag, yeah, six days out of the week, you really value <laughs> a mattress with, it wasn't even the mattress, it was the clean sheets on the mattress that I loved. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready? I am ready. Let's kill it. Can I, can I re-up? 
Yeah, finish it off. Right. Sure. Yeah, go go go. Here, come on. Let me let me, let me come on. I got I got to share the wealth. Okay. There you go. Oh boy. Question number one. Okay, let's do it. Book to add to the library downstairs that you were so perturbed at that you had to go through each and every book I I like, to what? see what I had. What the heck? <laughs> um, I would add Claudia Rankin's Citizen. Okay. She is a poet. Uh, she um, is an incredible writer, a very visceral experience. Um, What's the book about? Well, it's poetry, okay. um, and mm. it's really a reckoning with the racial tensions, racial inequality. Um, the cover of the book is a hoodie, which is, you know, some pretty... Like Trayvon Martin kind of... Yeah, pretty homage. weighted symbolism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I... My words can't really do it justice. I just think, even if you're not, I know some people, they're like, oh, poetry. Oof, that's kind of scary. <laughs> um, really, really sit down with her work. It's it's sobering and it's eye-opening um, and it's it's just, it's great art. So. Okay. Can I bring it back to Appalachian Trail real quick? No. Please. We've been talking about the Appalachian Trail for 20 minutes. Because I don't think amazing. anybody else wants no, to hear about I, the Appalachian Trail. I think Trail. everyone is wrapped listening. <laughs> um, how many books did you read along the Appalachian Trail? Ooh, not as many as I'd like because I was so exhausted at the end of the day. Um, four? So like one a month. So that represented what? Two pounds? So you carried around two pounds of knowledge. Well, I mean. For entertainment. We like, we like sent ourselves books or um so I didn't like carry on six books the whole time, mm -hmm. but yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you leave any? Like you'd leave it in the shel in the shelter just oh, for randomly for the next person. Yeah, there was um, the autobiography of Frederick Douglass. Ah, that was the that was the first one that I read. Okay. Um, that one was great. So I I think I forget which shelter I left that one in, but I thought that you know if someone found it, I really hope that they took it and brought it with them and read it. Next time you come back to D.C., you need to go to the Frederick Douglass house over in Anacostia. Okay. 1411. I got to bring my husband Southeast. here because he's never been to D.C. Yes, so. you do. You do. We'll, we'll make sure he, he goes. He, we'll make sure he's taken care of. Okay. Good. All right. Number two, podcast to subscribe. Well, this is like a limited series. It's not like an ongoing one. Slow burn. S-Town. Oh, yeah. S-Town. No doubt. Yeah, that one's one. I guess because I'm from Georgia, mm -hmm. um, and it's you know it's a Southern Gothic story. Um, it's it's funny, it's painful, it's poignant. I think it's it's one of the best ones that I've listened to. It's a great great story. So after I listened, I binged it. Like I, I, I it was around the time that everyone was talking about it when right. it came out, mm -hmm. and I googled the area you were talking about and. I'm not sure if it's still there because, you know, Google updates the images every year. Okay. But you could see the rosebush maze that he made. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It's probably, I think they sold, I thought they sold the land and they, yeah, to, and they raised to, it. Yeah. So, well, bummer. Yeah, it's sad. But that's cool that you got to see, like, at least an image of it, like yeah. Google Earth captured. Yeah. I didn't save it, though. Oh, dear. So I have it in my mind's eye. <laughs> Number three, something that you didn't know that you needed until you got it. Baby bear. <laughs> yeah. Um, my husband. There you go. That's, <laughs> that's corny, right? And kind of no, like, eh, but like, oh, that's, that's cute. Actually, but, that's uh. actually the real MVP answer right there. Okay, cool. Seriously. Because there's a lot of people that aren't married that would agree with you. <laughs> Seriously. You found your life partner. I did. I did. I'm a, I'm a lucky gal. How'd y'all meet? Um, On the AT. No, I'm just kidding. Um. On the what? <laughs> on the AT, the Appalachian Trail. Uh, uh, <laughs> many years ago. No. Um, actually, on eHarmony. Okay. Yeah. So, that's cool. how... I actually met him before that, but I didn't know it until I met him on eHarmony, and I was like, I've met you before. It was kind of crazy. You're such a stalker. I know, right? Okay. No, he found me, so he's the stalker. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all are in love. Yes. And you can swing an axe and chop wood. I know. Gold star for you. Thank you. And I'm not kidding. Um, 
Number four, bucket list place to travel. This is a place in the world that you have been uh-huh. that you would recommend that the listeners add to their bucket list of places to go in the world. Okay. This might sound strange. There are no wrong answers here. But my husband and I took a road trip through Mississippi. And Mississippi has a bad rap, as it should, for they are known for a lot of things that no state, I would hope, would not want to be known for. But one thing I can say is along the coast of Mississippi and in the Delta, I've never met the nicest people ever um, willing to share... Uh, their culture, their ideas, the the blues, tamales, um, and people along the coast are, you know, Mississippi has a very troubled and bloody history, but they are at the forefront of trying to make it open and more progressive. So I want people to know about that on the Mississippi coast. And one other thing is when um, Hurricane Katrina hit, there was a lot of news about New Orleans, as there should have been. Um, but Mississippi Coast got hit really hard, and a lot of the oak trees that were along the coast um, took the brunt of that, and they died. Um, but they had artists come out to honor the oak trees, and they actually carved angels and pelicans out of the... The stump that was left. The Yeah, or the, the, the desiccated branches and everything. So it's a really uh, testament to their resilient spirit and um, their honor of the arts. So, you know, I know Mississippi can be, based on their history and what they've got going on now, it it can be a very frightening and um, seeming like a backward place. But please, if you you have the heart to go out there and, and, and meet some people, um, on, you know, especially along the coast and in the Delta, please do because there are people out there and I'd, I'd hate for them to get lost in the broad strokes of their terrible representatives. So it's probably one of my favorite trips, probably my favorite trip that I've experienced. So, so when you say the Mississippi coast, you're talking about the area of Mississippi that's along the Gulf of Mexico. And when you say the Mississippi Delta, you're talking about the area of Mississippi that's along the Mississippi River. Am correct. I correct? That is correct. Okay. And you said you drove through basically north-south. Yeah, so we we stopped in Meridian, Mississippi, because one of my dear friends lives there. And then um, we traveled down south. Welcome to D.C., y'all. Okay. <laughs> we traveled down south to the coast and um, went to Bay St. Louis and... Um, Ocean Springs and um, and Bloxy's down there too, um, and then we made our way um, through Clarksdale, Vicksburg. I'm going out of order here, but um, yeah, there's a lot of blues uh, blues uh, museums and. Um, when you were up north, did you stop over the line in Memphis? No, that was part of the plan, but we just, we were so taken with uh, Clarksdale and uh, along the coast that we stayed a little bit longer in those places, so we did not make it to Memphis. Um, What about, uh, is it Tulupa? Tupelo. Tupelo, there you go. Yeah, went through Tupelo, went to Oxford, Mississippi. Did you put it all on black or red? You know, because they had the Oh, because the casino, no. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, how about Cleveland, Mississippi? Did you pass through there? Yes. Cleveland, Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they're opening up a new Jim Henson exhibit because he is from, I think he's from Glenwood, Mississippi. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, so you remember the conversation we were having earlier about uh, Jefferson Davis and uh, Ben mm-hmm. Montgomery. So, <clears throat> in the aftermath of the story I told you, um, a confluence of events of events were very, very interesting that happened. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm going off on a tangent a little bit, but it's a history lesson that y'all need to hear. So what ended up happening was um, they were building the railroad line, the Yazoo line, I believe that was connecting St. Louis to the Gulf. Okay. And it was passing through Mississippi. And um, either Chicago or, or St. Louis, but basically one of those cities up north down mm-hmm. through there. And what ended up happening was they needed people to work the line to, to basically 
build the mm-hmm. and for some reason it was harder work than normal of already hard work of building a rail line um, I don't know if it's because of the soil or just because it was so remote or whatever right and so the rail line was like alright look if you come work with uh, if you come work on the line we will give you land as compensation for working the line mm-hmm. and uh, Ben Montgomery was one of the first people that learned about this mm-hmm. and uh, basically passed along the word to a lot of his uh, African American brethren mm-hmm. and as a result there was a city just north of Cleveland called Mound Bayou Mississippi mm-hmm. that basically was one of the areas that was largely if not solely black owned it is solely yeah. was was and there were tons of black businesses there it was basically black wall street before black wall street yep. in uh, tulsa we went through mound bayou yeah um it is no longer that way no it's not that way at all um but you can still see there are some buildings there that were built around that time that you can see were of that era and they're you know in the absence of their disrepair, you can tell at some point they were decent buildings. Oh yeah, they were. They were definitely forerunners in yeah. in, in these uh, in the community, yeah. um, kind of creating an idea of what it would look like and what it can what the, what the possibilities were. Yep, it's really exciting. Yep, yeah, read about the history, but yeah, and they had a a bank too. I can't remember the name exactly of it, but um. Me neither. That's not good of me. Yeah. I need to be better about that. Yeah. No, I, I, I've, I read something about it. I want to say, three years ago, and I have it somewhere. Um, if it was multiple choice, I get it right. Okay. <laughs> if you were given some answers, one yeah. would be correct. I, it's it's American. It's the American school system. Yep. There you we go. We are taught. Uh, recognition over recollection. Yeah, I think so, you're right. But hey, I guess knowing it in its esoteric fashion is better than not knowing it at all, right? Yeah, having some awareness. I think that's big. It's a good start. All right, number five, 50 mile detour restaurant. You're within 50 miles of this restaurant anywhere in the world. It makes sense to detour off your intended path of travel just to eat here. Um, in Hayesville, North Carolina. Hayesville? Hayesville, North Carolina. There is a place called the Copper Door. And it's American fair food. It, um, but you, it's, it's independently owned. Um, the gentleman has owned it for, I think, 20 years or something like that. It used to be an old gas station. Might be a little Mm -hmm. less than that. And he and his dad, before his dad passed, they... Mm, built a restaurant um and to this day i mean i'd i'd put it up any of zagat rated or five star whatever it's just in a little little town in hayesville north carolina uh, what area of north carolina are we talking western about? north carolina so like outside of Asheville. way outside it's a good hour and 45 minutes hour and a half from Asheville. south southwest so really close to the border with oh, Georgia. Oh, so near Andrew, uh, 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 not Andrew. Andrews, yeah. Andrew, Andrew, North Carolina. Andrews, North Carolina. Yeah, that's yeah. where I saw the uh, solar eclipse. Yes, so did we. We made it back in time from the AT. and. <laughs> so I talked about this on the podcast not too long ago. I don't think I've gotten a road rage as, as bad as I did post There are a eclipse. lot of people down there. What should have been maybe a nine-hour drive turned into like a 16-hour drive. I believe it. There are so many people. And it was one way out on a one-way road. (laughs) Not the whole time. And everybody decided to get an accident at the same time. Happy place, happy place. Okay, right. what's the next Cabo, question? Cabador, last question. Uh, with respect to Cabador, before we move on, what type of cuisine? Like a mer- like you know, like you know, steaks and scallops. Okay, so I mean, like, is it like the the best burger, or you're saying it's kind of? It's just it's just a great place to get a good meal. Okay. Um, and great, they have 
great wine selection, a great craft beer selection. Yeah, they're just really, really, really good. So I would go out of the way to go there. Okay, sounds good. Number six, number one skill. This is your number one honed craft. Something that I had to work on, right? Correct. Um, probably, well, I don't really do that anymore. Okay, gardening. Okay. Gardening would probably be something that I've read about a lot. I've a lot of trial and error. And now I'm actually like the, this past season, I actually grew food. Okay. So, well, I didn't grow. I mean, the seed, but <laughs> you tended to. I t- I tended to it, and I I was successful. All right. But it it didn't come naturally to me. It was something that I had to study, and it was, I was I felt like a scientist, like you know, outside. And what'd you grow? Um, fingerling potatoes, um, green beans, okra, tomatoes. I'm growing garlic right now. Mm-hmm. Harvest it. Like March or April. Um, spinach. Damn, how, how much land you got? Not much, but you don't really need much. That's a misconception. I always feel like now I don't I live off like- of this food. I mean, this is like <laughs> supplemental. <laughs> I also raise chickens, so I have fresh eggs. Oh, um, yeah. Got cows out there too? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. How about pigs? You nope. Fresh bacon? <laughs> nah. Is it true that the leaves of a potato are poisonous? Like a real potato that grows out the ground. You pull it out the ground. There's leaves that are attached to it, and if you eat those leaves, they'll make you sick. I don't know because I've never tried. I'm. Sh- I think there is literature on that. Like I think there's, there's something there with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I don't think I like. I don't think it'll die or anything. I just. I don't think you'd want to eat it though. I think it's pretty bitter. So. Okay. All right. Well, last question before we move on to um, gar- um from gardening. Um, after I make the coffee in the French press, mm-hmm. throw water in there. And then I got the rose bush that's growing up the front of the houses. And I throw the coffee grounds with the water mm-hmm. onto the roots. Mm-hmm. Is that cool to do year round? I'm not a flower gardener. Okay. Um, but coffee is great compost. So I think it definitely would help more than hurt. Okay, cool. I just want to make sure I'm not killing them because I'm trying to get to the roof. <laughs> it's it's a knockout bush rose, so it's like really a bush. Okay. Oh, okay. So, but then it grows out, and I take the stems that are the longest mm-hmm. and anchor them to the house, and it, we got eastern exposure. Right. And so, especially on this house that we're in, it's tan. It's like a faded tan, so the sun like bounces off and it gets heat and like it grows and it keeps going up. So we're right here now outside this window. Okay. So I want to say if. You know, the roots stay strong. Two years. Do you mulch it? I mean, we have these oak trees and the, the most irritating tree directly in front of my house, the little fingerling leaves yeah. that go straight through your rake so you can't even rake it up. Uh-huh. So those fall all oh, the time. Oh, okay. So and that's... I take those and I just throw them up right on the roots. Yeah, because that's good for like moisture control. and. Yeah. And it, it retains the heat of the soil, right? And that was the next thing I was going to say. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for the other house, I have mulch. Oh, okay. Nice. So cool. Very All good. Right. You're on the right track. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> All right. Last question, and we'll get you out of here. Watch Narcos. Yes. All right. Um, no, it's been fun. What is your number one talent? Uh, this is what you didn't have to work at. Your innate uh, proficiency. I feel like this is a cheating answer, but I am I am innately curious. And okay. I think, I don't know, I think people pick that up. And I'm really good at just... Being inquisitive. Yeah, being inquisitive, but like like people, I don't know, maybe, it, maybe it's actually not as rare as I think. Um, but people are really very forthcoming about things that I find very intimate and I'm a stranger to them and they just feel really comfortable. So I don't know. 
if that's a talent or maybe you have a really good radio voice yeah maybe <laughs> this is a joke because before we got on the podcast she's like oh no one's gonna like my voice i know i'm just so so nasally I'm sound like i'm a sound drunk a- history yeah <laughs> So is that a talent? I don't know. Is that that doesn't sound like a talent to me? You don't have to work at it. I don't have to work at it. It just and there are people that work at their radio voice. Well, I'm not talking about my radio voice. Oh, oh you mean being inquisitive? <laughs> well, yeah, just you know, just yeah, it's a being. Talent. A, I guess I don't know if that's I'm, a very uh, good one, but what, what the the phenomena that you experience is not something that on average happens naturally with most people. Really, you don't think so? That people are just forthcoming to be like, and then. Well, they're not always crying. And my pin hey, to don't. my credit card is 4653. Don't take all my money. I mean, you can. Just take a little bit. <laughs> That's what happens? No. They just they just tell you everything. They spill all the beans. They spill it all. It's about their divorce, about loss. I'm like, wow. And I, I you know, I want to carry that and not take it for granted but i'm like wow i don't i don't do that (laughs) wow i have to get to know you first i know right (laughs) all right um you've remained anonymous this whole time so i'm assuming that you don't want any social media or anything people want to contact you and spill the beans (laughs) 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 to your gmail i'm listening (laughs) dr fraser crane no um i'm i'm good i'm good all righty thank you freddie Thank you. Don't say my name. I'm not going to say your name. Oh, and we even get to all the museums and everything you said. We're going to say that for part two when your husband comes, okay? Okay. Sounds good. Cool. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. This has been yet another amazing (laughs) episode of the Innkeeper's Guest Book. And you guys were treated to learning about the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. For real, for real, yo. Yeah. Get out there. I'm telling you, it's one of my top 10. It's one of my top 10, honestly. All right. All right. But yes, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will see you next time. All right. Good night.